week because I honestly don't know where we're going to go. I've had a couple things in mind, and I'm just trying to figure out, uh, you know, what we want to do. So, um, but I, I can tell you it's going to be good, and you don't want to quit coming on Wednesdays just because we're not talking about kingdom keys. But we are going to wrap up tonight, and I'm really just going to uh, kind of do a refresher, go back to the beginning and talk about what the keys are and, um, you know, how the keys get us access and stuff like that. And then I kind of want to put a twist on something a little bit um, and, and kind of uh, see what, what happens there. So I've got some good stuff, so let's stay tuned in. I know it's Wednesday, and we've been, you know, through some long weeks and uh, long days, but um, the Word's good, and, we, and it, it's going to refresh us, and it's going to get us to the rest of this week. Amen? Um, just to let you know, afterwards, we're going to go ahead and make a trip over to Chick-fil-A. Anyone that wants to join us is welcome, uh, since it is Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day. And uh, I appreciate chicken. <laughs> I appreciate chicken very much. In fact, I went there for lunch today, and I have no problem going back for dinner. I, I think I have at least once in my life done a morning, noon, and night there, at least once. It's that good, man. I, I could do their breakfast, I can do their lunch, and I can do something different for dinner. So, but we're gonna do that, and you guys are obviously, you know, more than welcome. We want to fellowship and hang out, and um, it's a good place to do that at. Amen. Uh, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter twelve. Luke chapter twelve, and verse thirty-two. Jesus is speaking, and he says. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What he's saying is, is this kingdom that I'm talking about, this kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that I'm mentioning to you, that I'm preaching about a lot, that I'm talking a lot about, my Father has already given it to you. You already have access. Um, you know, the things that we've been talking about over the past few weeks, healing. Uh, joy, um, uh, peace, we talked about last week, provision. These are things that we're not trying to gain access to. The keys to the kingdom is simply how to get them to work in our lives. And we have to keep that in mind because, you know, a lot of times we think of these things, well, man, I need healing in my body. Well, you don't need healing. You just need to figure out how to get it to work. It's almost like owning a vehicle that isn't working. Well, you don't need to get a vehicle. We just need to figure out how to get that vehicle to operate. And so we're not trying to gain access to these things. When you came into the kingdom of God, you came in to a kingdom, and all this belongs to you now. This is yours. And what happens is, and this is the, the mistake of the church, is that we stop at the cross, we stop at entrance into the kingdom, but we don't tell anybody how to access or operate anything inside the kingdom. In fact, there are believers out there right now that are saved, born again, have Jesus as their Lord, but don't know that they have access to healing. They don't know that they have uh, the ability to operate in provision. They don't know that they have uh, that they can have joy. And they think that we're just trudging through this life, but at least Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and at least I'm going to heaven. Well, that's just the least of it. It is just the least of it. There is more to that. You've heard me say many times, don't invite me to your house and then 
make me stand at the doorstep. I want to come in. I want to partake of your food, and I want to hang out, and I want to, you know, do all those things inside the house. And so God has not invited us to the kingdom to make us, st- to make us stand in the doorway and not be able to access or use anything in the kingdom. And so Jesus is saying here, I'm speaking a lot about a kingdom, but I'm not just inviting you to it. I'm inviting you to use it and to have access to everything in it. And so when we're talking about the keys of the kingdom, remember over in Matthew chapter 16, let's look at that. That's been our main verse, our key verse throughout this study. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 18, he said to Peter, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He's not saying I will give to you Peter. He's saying I will give to you the church, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Here is the posture of most believers that are taught to make Jesus the Lord of their life and nothing more. Their posture is, I am waiting for God to do something in my life. That's their request. God, please move. God, please intervene on my situation. God, please do this. And God, please do that. And God is up in heaven saying, I'm waiting on you to do something. That verse very clearly states that heaven and God are responding and reacting to what we do in the earth. We've been talking about keys. If I give Jimmy the key to this building, and I say, I need you to go up there and pick up something that I left there and bring it to such and such place. And an hour goes by, and two hours go by, and he's not showed up, and I'm wondering, where in the world is this guy? And I call him up, or maybe I drive over here myself and I find him, and he's sitting in the parking lot or standing at the door. And I say, what are you, what are you doing, man? <laughs> I asked you to go in the building and get something for me. Why? What happened? Oh, well, I was waiting on you to do it. No, I asked you to do it. And on top of that, I gave you the key to the building so you had the access and you had the authority. I have authorized you to enter the building and get what I asked you to get. And that's what most of us do. We're, God has already commissioned us, Mark chapter 16, go into all the world, lay hands on the sick, you'll see them recover, make disciples of all nations. And here we are just sitting by waiting on God to do something. Well, you know, I'm just waiting on God to get me that job. No, I'm just waiting on God, you know, until I find the right one for my life. I'm just waiting on God to, you know, let me know if I'm supposed to be here or, you know, if I'm supposed to take this or if I'm supposed to go back to school. We're waiting on God for things. I'm waiting on, you know, whenever God decides to heal me, (laughs) we have access. These things have been provided to us. Now, here's what took place. All the way back in Genesis, Adam and Eve had every provision and everything they needed provided for them. There was nothing that they were trying to gain access to. Everything was made available to them. God told them, here's all these rivers to drink from. Here's all these trees to eat from. Here's uh, everything you need is in the garden. 
and I have already taken care of it. Now what happens? Man falls, man sins, man fails in obeying God's command. And now these things have been locked up. And if you go to the book of Revelations in chapter 21, the very end it talks about heaven, it talks about the gold streets and no weeping and no tears and no more crying and no more pain and all this good stuff. And then at the very end of that it says, and the gate will never be shut. The same chapter. Those gates will never be shut. What's he saying? The kingdom of heaven will once again be open to all. But, here's a question, and most of us, we answer a certain way, but why do we need a key to something? And most of us say, to unlock it, right? I need a key to unlock something. But, here's a question, if it's already unlocked, do we need a key? If this door right here was already unlocked, would you need a key to access and go into the building? No, of course not. So keys are really to lock stuff. The only reason you need the key to unlock something is because it once needed a key to be locked. When man sinned, all this stuff, all the joy, all the peace, all the provision, all the health, all the wealth, everything that man once enjoyed in the garden freely, got locked up. And Jesus came back and in Matthew chapter 16 says, I'm giving you the keys back so you can unlock those things once again. So now we have the keys to unlock what had been locked. See, Adam and Eve, they didn't need the keys to the kingdom. They automatically had access. The thing wasn't locked up to begin with. But now, because of man's sin, I can't live however I want and just expect to walk in and access anything in the kingdom of God. We've been talking about you can't, use, you can't rely simply on a worldly system and get a heavenly response. I, I can't just only rely on taking care of something naturally and using a natural resource and expect to get a heavenly response. We get into uh, financial troubles, and we have our natural resources. We have the credit cards we go to. We have the banks we go to. We have people that we know can loan us money. Uh, we have our ways of, of, you know, skimming back or holding back, not spending as much. You know, we, we enter into, you know, depression or anxiety, and we go see a doctor, or, uh, you know, we try to, do something naturally, take some kind of medication that's going to fix our issue, but we're not going to get a heavenly response unless we go to the source or God first until we use the key to the kingdom that God has already given us access to. He's given us those keys. Now, here's the thing. And we've probably all asked ourselves this question at some time. Is why aren't things just so clear? Especially the Bible. Why isn't the Bible just clear? Why doesn't it just come out and just say it openly? You know, there's a lot of talk right now. And, and Chick-fil-A stirred the pot a little bit. Dan Cathy. With the homosexual issues that are going on in the United States and blah, blah, blah. 
And many people just want the Bible to speak clearly on the topic. First of all, you know, I know if me and you, if I have a Bible and you have a Bible, and I'm going to show you what the Bible says about homosexuality being wrong, and you're going to show me what the Bible says about homosexuality being right, I'm going to win. <laughs> you don't stand a chance. Okay? You, there, you, don't, you don't hold a chance. I mean, God stinking blew up two cities that were operating this kind of, kind of way and wiped them off of the face of the planet. <laughs> I don't know what more we need, but that's what people want to see. But the question is, is why isn't it clear? Why, why, didn't, why doesn't God just state in there, homosexuality is a sin? Why doesn't the Bible just speak about my direction in life? And, and why isn't it clear? Why am I having to dig things up? Why am I having to go deeper? And here's why. And this is why a lot of people don't get the keys to the kingdom to work in their lives. And it's because of the search. There is a search involved. Matthew chapter 13, verse 11. Matthew chapter 13, verse 11. Jesus just got done telling a multitude of people a parable of the sower. And his disciples, they turn to Jesus and they say, How come you speak to them in parables? You know why? Because the parables weren't clear. I mean, think about it. Jesus got done, he just got done saying a parable that says a farmer goes out to sow. And it, some of the seed fell on good ground. Some of the seed fell on hard ground, and it, it never was able to dig in the ground and bear fruit. Some of it fell among thorns, and it got choked out. And then some of it fell on good ground, and it bore fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. The end. And the crowd's going, what's the, what's the wayside? What's the, thor- what's the stuff that fell? What do the thorns mean? What does that mean? What, what's the hard ground? What's the good ground? What makes me good ground? So they're sitting back wondering, what's he talking about? And then his disciples turn to him and they say, why do you speak to them in parables? And his response is in verse 11. He said, he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. Here's what Jesus was doing every time he told a parable. Every time he said the kingdom of heaven is like, a dragnet. Every, the kingdom of heaven is like a field with a treasure in it. The kingdom of God is, is like a woman who lost a coin and she spent all day looking for that one coin. Here's what Jesus was doing every time he did that. He was trying to figure out who are the ones that really want to know what I'm talking about. Because there were those. There were those that had a response of, must not have been for me. And then there were those, like the disciples, that said, what are you talking about? I got to know. I have to know. 
See, there's a search involved. And the search reveals the value of what you're looking for. I can tell how valuable something is to you if you lose it by how long you search for it. If there's something you have to have, like your keys, you're not doing anything till you find those keys. There's no sitting down on the couch and saying, well, you know, they'll turn up. I mean, if you need to go somewhere, you might give up if, you know what, I don't have to go anywhere till tomorrow. But most of us, if we realize our keys are gone, the search is on. Where are they at? I've lost some valuable stuff in my life. And I kept going. I have to find it. It would bother me. Where is it? What did I do with it last? When's the last time I had it? Where was the last place I had it? Did I give it to someone else? Did somebody else do something with it? Why? Because it's valuable. If you lose something that's not valuable, I always find out in my life every time I move, every time I move from house to house, every time that we've moved, and we've moved quite a bit in the last, basically since I moved to Florida, I haven't stopped moving. Just almost every single year we've been in a different house, and I don't even know why. Weird things. Weird choices. But I always find out what's valuable in my life because the next time I move, I find something that I didn't touch the whole 12 months since the last time I moved. (laughs) And guess where that thing's going? In the trash, because I'm not just going to drag it around my life for no reason. Of course, when you find it, you think, oh, wow, I haven't seen that in forever. And then the thought crosses in mind, well, I don't want to get rid of that. But unlike some people, and if you ever watch Hoarders or any of those shows, I'm not like those people. My first inclination is to look at the track record. Okay, when's the last time I wore this shirt? When's the last time I hung this on the wall? When's the last time I played with this? When's the last time I've used this? When's the last time I plugged this in? And I use that and I say, you know what? Right now, I'm thinking, I could use it for this and this and this and this and this. But you know what? The last eight months, I haven't touched it, so I'm getting rid of it. And then I do this. If I need it, I'll just get another one. If the day comes, because the chances are I'm not going to, based upon the last 8, 12, 16, 24 months that it's been in my possession, yet I've never, owned, I've never done anything with it. So what? I've just revealed the value of that thing to me. It's very low. But then there are those things that I use on a daily basis. See, me and my wife, we talk about this all the time because uh, we, both, we both like to shop. Let's put it out there. We like to spend money. I don't like to shop in the sense of let's go to the mall and spend all day going through random stores and buy a tenth of everything I see. Uh, I like to shop, and I like I like to spend money on things. But the value is in the, is determined in how I use it. She likes to buy a lot of little things. I like to buy one big thing. I'll spend seven hundred dollars on an iPad that I'll use every day, and she'll spend 
$100 on a bunch of little $10, $15 items that she may use every now and then. <laughs> I know I'm hitting home right now. Every husband and every wife is going, yep, that's me, and yep, that's me. That, that's just how I am. The value in the, in the things that I spend money on are in the, the daily use. Whereas my wife's value is in, I want to know that when I want to use it, it's there to use. It's different from everybody. But then when you lose it, see, and Jesus even told a parable. He told a parable about a, a, a woman that had a very precious coin, and when she lost it, she spent all day looking for it. Why? Because it was valuable to her. It determined, see, if she lost the coin and then said, well, you know, then guess what? It wasn't valuable to you. The way we get these keys to work in our lives is by placing value on it. That's the only way they'll work. If you don't place value on the kingdom of God, they're not going to work in your life. That means that we don't wait until things get real rough. Well, I'm really sick, and the doctor said they can't do anything for me, so God, it's your turn. That means he gets the first call. That means, man, I feel something trying to come on me. God, I thank you right now that this healing is mine. I thank you that you have already provided healing for me, and I cause it to come into effect in my body in the name of Jesus. And then we go from there. And if he directs us to say, you know what, maybe you should go see a doctor and get that thing checked out. Maybe you should see uh, what kind of medicine they can give you that can help you then that's one thing. But when we make God the last resort, we're going to have a hard time making these keys work in our lives. These are keys to the kingdom that we already have access to. So you remember the, remember the things that we said at the beginning, keys denote access. See, if I tell one of you, if I give you a key to this building, that means you have access to the stuff inside. You know, I remember one time we, uh, there was someone in the church that was doing some kind of function and they needed chairs. Well, obviously we have chairs. And so we gave them access to the chairs. They didn't have to call me the day of or whenever they wanted to come pick them up and say, hey, is it okay if we go get some chairs? They didn't have to wait for me to show up and unlock the door and let them in and help them. I said, you have the access to the chairs. We're not waiting any longer. And so we have to realize and, and, and determine what is the value of the kingdom of God in our lives. He's already told us, my father, he wants you to have the kingdom. He wants you. It is his delight and his desire that you operate in the kingdom and that the kingdom operates in your life. But the kingdom is not just easily accessible. Here's why. Here's why not just anyone off the street can come get it. Because there's no value there. I mean, even, even Jesus said, do not cast your pearls before swine. Don't place something of value in something that isn't going to show much value. That's why the kingdom is so hidden and layered within the Word. It's in there. You know who are the ones that 
figure out the kingdom and those that operate in the kingdom and those that walk in the kingdom and see the kingdom manifest in their life, they're the ones that seek it. If you want to see the kingdom operate in your life, it's going to be because you seek it and you desire it and you put your whole life and your whole heart after it. This is not for the casual passerby. This is not for people that just hop in and out of things and don't really have a lot of care. I'll tell you right now, I was in a room on June 7th, 2009, with a lot of people. There was probably 300 people in that room, at least, if not more, that heard the same message. But today it is very clear, those who sought after it, those who kept after it, those who said, I need to know more, those who said, what is this mystery? That's what Jesus called it. He called it a mystery. Why is God trying to hide something from me? Why is God, why is God trying to keep a secret? Because he wants to know how badly you want it. That's why. That's why. You know, we ask the question, why doesn't everyone see it this way? Why are there so many religions? Why are there so many denominations? We started out the whole kingdom series talking about that. If you remember, I mean, it's been 10 weeks now. This is going back to late May, before Memorial Day now that we've been talking about this. And that's where we started, with religion and denomination and everybody else's take on this. There's been a lot of talk about people's opinions lately. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I'm tired of hearing that. You want my opinion on a restaurant here in town? No problem. I'll give you my opinion. You want my opinion on the Word of God? I don't have an opinion. You want my opinion on abortion? I don't have an opinion. You want my opinion on same-sex marriages? I don't have an opinion. I'm not going to tell you what I think about it. I'm not going to waste my time or your time telling you, this is what I believe, this is how I see it. Because when I say it that way, then you're only going to take it with how you perceive me. See, that's why... And see, pastors are always approached with this all the time. I remember, you know, there was a pastor just not too long ago, maybe about a month ago, up in Atlanta, Georgia, that had the police called on him by his own daughter because of an altercation that took place at the house, and he was arrested. And all these pastors, well, what do you think about it? Why? Why do you want to know what I think about it as a pastor, a pastor about another pastor? People just want to know, they want to put weight with something. But I don't, I don't have time to give people my opinion. I'll tell you all day long what the Bible says about something. And if we would take more time to find out what God says about a subject before we give our own personal opinion and belief on the matter, uh, I think that as believers we'd have a much better chance of directing people in this nation. It's a very sad thing when we already find out that 50% of the nation is split on same-sex marriages. And let's go to the church, who should be able to answer this one pretty simply. And now the church is split 50-50 right down the middle. They don't even know how to take it. 
they don't even know what to do with it. Why? Because we all read this casually. We all read this as a casual passerby of, well, you know, if it's in there, it'll pop out to me. Doesn't work that way. The people who understand the Bible wholeheartedly, the people who access the kingdom in their daily life, the people who see the kingdom of God operate in their lives, they're the ones that seek it out on a daily basis. And that's a level we all should get to. Because there's too many people, there's too many believers out there right now that can only tell you what they think about the Bible based upon what their parents taught them about the Bible based upon what their pastor taught them about the Bible, based upon what the preacher on TV says about the Bible. And that's a dangerous place to be. That's a very dangerous place to be when we don't know the Word of God for ourselves. That's why I always say this. Don't leave here and take anything that I preach out of here, anything I say out of here, just because I say it. Well, you know, Pastor Mark said that uh, healing is still ours today. Because there's people out there that don't believe that. There's people in the world right now, Christians, that do not believe that healing is for today, that that has been done away with. There are people in the world right now, there are Christians in the world right now that will tell you that speaking in tongues has been done away with and is not available to believers today. That was for the apostles. They're out there. So why believe me over someone else? The answer is, go and check it out for yourself. I don't want anybody to leave this church and say, uh, you know, I believe this because that's what my pastor teaches. I want you to say, I believe that because I've read it and seen it in the Bible for myself. Because we already know there's a million different ways you can read this book. We've already seen that. What do we say, 3,800 denominations? 3,800 different ways to read one book? Are you kidding me? So we have to search it, seek it out, desire it. It is a mystery. God did that on purpose. He locked it away. And now he has given us the keys to the kingdom. He's now given us access to the kingdom. He's given us authority in the kingdom, the responsibility, the freedom. Remember, these were all the words that we said that the keys denote. Freedom, responsibility, authority, access. You are authorized. You are authorized. Now look in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. God wants to know how badly you want the kingdom to operate in your life. Like I said, on June 7, 2009, I was in a room of over 300 people that heard the kingdom message. But it's very definitive today. It's very easy to see those who sought it out. In fact, there were some on our staff in leadership that didn't get it. Pastor Earl gave us three books to read. And it became very clear in about six to nine to twelve months who read those and who didn't. Very clear. There's no, there's no problem. Why? Because it's a mystery. It's hidden away. And if you don't seek it out, you're not going to find it. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All what things? All the things that people are trying to access on a daily basis using worldly keys. And now he's saying, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. All these things will be added to you. Added meaning you don't have to work for it. If I were to give homework tonight, I'd have all of you read Matthew chapter 6. Read that chapter. And then watch how Jesus sums it up with seek first the kingdom and all these things. What was he telling the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 6? Do not worry about what you're going to eat. Do not worry about what you're going to drink. Do not worry about what you're going to wear. That's what he's saying. And then he sums it all up and he says, seek the kingdom of God. Seek living right in the kingdom. And then all these things will be added to you. Everything that you're trying to use a key to get, it will be added to you because you're seeking the kingdom. You have already gotten the key. Now, when he says you have the keys to the kingdom, he was talking to the church. He was talking to the church. This isn't just for anybody. I, don't, I can't just walk up on the street and say, hey, you have access to the kingdom of God. Because you don't. Unless you get in the kingdom. Unless you become born again. Become a part of the church. Then you have access. See, that's the thing. We, we live in a generation we just want to take everything, but we give nothing. We want everything handed to us. We don't want to work for anything. We don't, we don't want to uh, put anything down to get something in return. And we have to learn that there's something we're doing that helps us obtain what God has for us. And the kingdom is added to us. The kingdom, that access is already given to us. But it's not without claiming Jesus as Lord. Basically what he's saying is, is if you let go of everything and you get on this search and you search out this mystery, then you'll find that you'll never have to work for anything in your life again. That the key is yours. You have access. Remember we said that the keys to the kingdom are God's way of doing things. And I don't know about you, but I want to learn how to do things God's way. You know, if we'd learn to do things God's way, we'd save ourselves a lot of time. We'd save ourselves a lot of time. You know, and a lot of times we think that prayer just takes up time. We think, you know, seeking God and, and getting in his word, no, that takes, that takes time. Let me just try to do it myself. But we'd find that if we get what he says about it first, that it would actually save us time because he'd tell us exactly how to get it done every time. Every time. 
Last week I told you that I'm not telling you to neglect worldly things. I'm not telling you that God won't have you go get a loan or God won't have you go to the doctor or God won't have you take a medication or God won't have you go to a certain person. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that God will direct you to which source will get you there the fastest. We have to learn to make God the first option, and then he'll get he'll lay out all the options after that. That's why he said, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. But instead, we spend time seeking how we're going to pay a bill, seeking how we're going to get healthy, seeking how we're going to find a job, seeking how we're going to find the right person for our life, seeking friends, seeking a church, seeking hope, seeking uh, peace, seeking joy. We seek all these things, and he's saying, just seek the kingdom, and you'll find that all those things will be added to you. You know why they'll be added to you? Because he doesn't want you thinking about that in the first place. Your purpose in the earth is not to take care of yourself. The most purposeful thing you can do is take care of somebody else. Adam and Eve, you'll go look at the instruction in Genesis chapter 1. They were never told to, you know, now tomorrow when you get up, you know, go try to figure out how you're going to eat. Because you need to eat to stay alive. They didn't tell them that. He said, take care of my stuff, and I'll take care of your stuff. Their mindset in, 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 in the garden was not to try to figure out, all right, here we go, day one, where are we going to live? All right, what do you want for lunch? I don't know. Well, let's figure out what we're going to do. Where, where are we going to build a house? What are we going to wear today? None of this crossed their mind. And those are all just small little thoughts, but they are all focused on us. You seek the kingdom by seeking how to be helpful to someone else. How to reach out to people around you. How to invest in someone else's life. That's how that's how this thing is supposed to operate. This is how we're supposed to be in the earth. You won't look in the Bible and see where Jesus was trying to figure out how he's going to pay bills and how he was going to, where he was going to sleep. And he told him, he said, the son of man, he doesn't even have any place to sleep at night. He meant, I'm not walking around trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I know I'm going to be taken care of because I've spent the entire day taking care of other people. But today, our mindset is, Get the biggest house, get the most money, retire early, great family, nicest car. We have it all lined up, and it does nothing for anybody else. When our cry should be, God, I want money flowing through me, not to me. If it comes to me, it's only because you want it going right back out. Honestly, I'll tell you right now. I would not care for the rest of my life if my bank account was at zero. Because everything I have, I want it funneling through me. 
And you won't find in the Bible where people were trying to save up anyway. I'm not telling you not to save. But when people saved, it was for a specific purpose. Joseph had a dream and told Pharaoh, you're going to have seven good years and seven bad years. During the seven good years, save up because then during the seven bad years, you're going to need it. But on the, on, the fun, on the other end, I just want to be a funnel, man. If a million's in today, I don't care if it's back out tomorrow. Why? Because I'm not attached to the money. I'm not attached to any of that. See, people that get attached to money, when God says, hey, give $10,000 to this, they have a hard time doing that. But when you realize you're just a funnel, God's just using me to get funds for this and get funds for that and get... That's why I love it when, when businessmen and business people get the kingdom of God and get the concept of the kingdom. And we got a man down in St. Augustine right now. That's all. He, he's got like seven, nine businesses, wealthy, and, and thinks about nothing. There's nothing he thinks about having to pay for. doesn't matter how great it is. Let's just do it. He doesn't have to check the bank account. I mean, what, that's, all, that's what we all want. But you know what? He's able to drop thousands of dollars and tens of thousands of dollars at the drop of a hat. Why? He didn't have to go to look at the bank account to see if it's there. That's where we should be, to where we're able to influence and invest in other people and be a funnel of the kingdom in the earth. But we don't get there by seeking it for ourselves. He's not at that point today because he's seeking his own interest. He's not at that point because, well, you know, I just want to save up as much as I can. I want to be able to retire at a good age. His goal for all of that is I want to be able to help finance the kingdom of God. He helps other small business owners start businesses. I mean, he's basically a bank. They can go to him and pitch their product and pitch their thing. And if it's good enough and if they have the right heart, and he'll help them direct that thing to be a funnel as well. He's got no problem laying the money down. Why? Because the kingdom is what it's all about. Investing in other people. It's not about me. So he spends his day, nine to five, trying to figure out what else can I give into? What can I be a funnel and let the kingdom of God flow to someone else in? What can I do? There's other people that do that with what? There's other people that do that uh, with, with, with skills that they have. You guys know Matt Hunt. He's not seeking his interest. If he was, he'd be trying to go get a job. And so he goes up to the church and works all day long like it's a regular hour job, a regular full-time job, not getting paid a dime, and he's given his skill. And you know what? All these things are added unto him. Period. I'm telling you, there are people I know in my life right now that Matthew 6.33 is working for them. Because they're not seeking themselves. Nowhere in that verse does it say to seek yourself. The only time you show up is at the very end. And look who's, you are the subject of God's attention. And all these things will be added to you. 
It doesn't say you seek your own interest and then all these things. If you seek taking care of your taking care of yourself good enough, then you'll be taken care of. That's not what it says. It says seek to take care of the kingdom of God, and then you'll be taken care of. So this is the seeking. That's the search. The search in our lives, the mystery in the kingdom of God is trying to figure out how to be a funnel for other people. See, that's why we need these keys to work in our lives. God wants us to have these keys so we don't have to worry about what we're going to do when we're sick. So we don't have to worry about what we're going to do when we don't have the money to pay a bill. So we don't have to worry about, uh, you know, how we're going to get out of this lull and this depressed state that we're in. So we don't have to worry about fear and fear controlling us and fear keeping us from finishing assignments in our lives. When you have the key, you're not concerned about it. You're not worried about it. And you're able to only focus on God's things. That's what the kingdom's all about. That's why, you know, that's why this message has just so radically changed everything that I do and, and the way I think about everything. See, religion only, only takes care of one person. You. That's all religion does. Religion is about you getting to heaven. And then, what do you do? How do I get to heaven? Well, if I do good enough. If I do the right things. Because that's what religion's all about. That's a religious mindset, is do, do, do. That's what the Pharisees were all about. Pharisees said, if I wear the right thing, if I say the right words, if I pray on the street corner real loud where everyone can hear me, if I do enough good acts where people can see me, then I'm righteous. And that's not what Jesus said. Jesus was all about the heart. Religion is about man getting to heaven. The kingdom is about man bringing the heaven, bringing heaven to the earth. Well, how do I bring heaven to earth? I bring heaven to earth when I see an old lady that just seems troubled in Walmart, and I just say, you know what? Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on in your life, but can I take a moment to pray with you? You just brought kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, to earth. That's the kingdom. I don't know why, but God just, he wants me to pay for your groceries today. The kingdom. Religion doesn't do that for anybody. And if religion does do that, it's only so you can look good. It's about you. Religion always finds a way to turn it back on you. But the kingdom, all the attention's on someone else. Knowing that I'm already taken care of. I've already got access to everything. And see, that's how you can be confident. That's how you can be confident knowing that things will be added to you. See, Adam and Eve, they knew if I just take care of God's things, obey his commands, live righteously and under the laws that he's given me, then we'll be taken care of. And they didn't have to worry about what they were going to eat or drink or wear, where they were going to live. They didn't have to think about any of that stuff. Now all of a sudden when they sin, what's the first thing that happens? What's the first thing Adam and Eve tried to do after they sinned? 
clothing. I like to put it this way. They lost their mind. They literally lost their mind. Their mindset immediately switched. I mean, in one verse. In one verse, it switched from taking care of God's things to, what about me? They were so unaware of themselves that they didn't even know they were naked. And remember, God said, who told you we were naked? What? It was an awareness. Who told you how to take care of yourself? Who put the attention on you? He's saying, I'm the only one that's supposed to be focused on you. You're supposed to be focused on everything around you. And that's how the kingdom is supposed to operate. And so we've got to understand that these keys to the kingdom, that they are already provisioned for us. It's already accessed in our lives. And the way we get them to work is by putting our attention on stuff around us and not on ourselves. It's being obedient to God's word. It's stepping out in faith and, and, and walking on what God has told us to do and how God has told us to live and, and not being concerned with ourselves, knowing that we'll be taken care of. You know, we always put deadlines and limits. You know, i got to have this paid by today or i got to have this money by tomorrow. And he's saying, I'll take care of it when it needs to be taken care of. His timing is way better than our timing. He's saying, you just keep focusing on the world around you. You just keep going after the kingdom. You just keep valuing my word. Keep valuing the kingdom of God in your life. Keep valuing. Show that value by searching. And that's how we get these keys to operate. These keys are given to people. These keys are given to the church. These keys are given to the body that is not trying to figure out how to get healing so they can feel better. Not trying to figure out how to get provision so I can have a lot of money. They're not trying to figure out how I can be joyful because I don't like being depressed. They're not, it's not for people that just want peace in their lives because they don't want to be fearful of things. The keys of the kingdom are for people that want healing flowing in their lives because I have an assignment that I need to fulfill. I want provision and wealth flowing through me because I want to be able to be a blessing to anybody that you want me to bless. That I want uh, peace to be on me so I can bring peace to my job and to my coworkers and to my family. That's how the kingdom, that's how the keys to the kingdom work and operate in someone's life. Those are the ones that will receive it that are always looking to give and not just take. The keys of the kingdom are to access the kingdom and bring it to earth, not just for you. We, we, a lot of times we have those selfish motives and those selfish intentions of, you know, I want to be healed because I don't like feeling sick. And, you know, I want money because I want to be wealthy. I don't want to think about money. I want to be able to buy this and buy that and have this and have that. Those aren't the people that are going to have the keys working in their life. 
Because God knows if you get access to that, you're only going to look to take care of yourself. He's saying, I want I want people to have access. I want to authorize people to have access to the kingdom of God that are going to take what they have and spread it and share it and bless other people. That's who he wants the king of the kingdom operating in. And so we have to learn how to do it God's way. We've got to learn how to take care of God's house. We've got to learn how to unlock the things that he has already given us access and provision to. He doesn't want to show up on the scene when he comes back. He does not want to find his people standing at the door with the key in their hand saying, well, we were just waiting on you, God. He doesn't want that. He wants to find his people accessing and utilizing things in the kingdom to fulfill their assignment in the earth. That's what he wants to come back to. That's what Jesus is coming back to. He's coming back to a church that's not sitting around in church waiting, just locked up and away from the world and scared of what the world's going to do to them. He wants to find his church out in the world bringing the kingdom of heaven to the earth. That's what he's coming back for. Amen? Father, we thank you for these messages. We thank you for this this series on the keys to the kingdom. Father, I thank you that we take it seriously, that we understand why we have keys to the kingdom, that we understand how to do things your way, and that we, we make a habit starting today, starting this evening, Father, making a habit of thinking of your way of doing things first. Father, we are honored and and privilege that you have given us and granted us authorization into your kingdom to be able to utilize these things and, and, and operate these things, Father. But, Father, I thank you that we begin to change our mindset, that we repent in that area of, of only desiring these things selfishly, and we begin to seek the kingdom of God, knowing that you are already looking out for our benefit. You have already got us taken care of. You aren't trying to to figure out how you're going to get us taken care of. You don't want us uh, spending our days and our time just trying to take care of ourselves. You want us looking out for others, and you want to be uh, fully focused on us. Father, we thank you that you are our king. You're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You are a loving king. You take care of us better than we could take care of ourselves. And so, Father, I thank you that you have only our best intentions at heart, and we place our trust in you, knowing that if we fill our, fulfill our purpose, our assignment, do what you've called us to do, that we can operate like Adam and Eve in the garden, that we can operate with the mindset of only taking care of your stuff, knowing that you are taking care of us. I thank you that these messages, they sink in, that we'll meditate on them, that we'll take, uh, we'll even take time in the days upcoming, the weeks and months upcoming to go back and refresh our memory, uh, go over these messages, play them again, so we can keep our minds stayed upon how to access the kingdom of God in our lives. Father, I thank you for every person here, for their time that they have spent, for the, uh, the sacrifice they've made in being here. Father, I thank you that we can go away from here uh, excited 
that we've heard your word and have been empowered by it this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.